0: Welcome to Ormwood Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and to our podcast where we share our Sunday sermons for those in Ormwood Park, Atlanta, and beyond. Our mission is to welcome everyone to explore the living God in all of our neighborhoods, and we value welcoming others, opening our minds, being of service, and participating in whatever ways God calls us. We hope you learn, grow, and find a place to belong with us. Happy Pentecost. Today, we will read from Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 24, um, which is just right after the most, the more familiar Pentecost text of the flames descending. Um, But this is where Peter stands up to give his first sermon. So listen now for a word from God. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to the blood before the coming. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know, this man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having released him from the agony of death because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. So Pentecost is the Sunday in the Church calendar where we are encouraged to talk about the positive aspects of power. We do the work of criticizing power and its misuse on other Sundays. We criticize the power of hoarding wealth or the power of abusive governments or destructive family systems or the gun lobby. There is a wealth of examples of abuses of power all around us, and God's house is a worthy place to lament this, and we do. Sundays are usually good days to criticize the misuse of power. But today in the church calendar is the day we talk about even praise power. Because a lot like money, while power can be bad, it can also be used for good. We can lament the power of systems of priests who harbor and hide people who abuse children, And yet we can also praise the power of a group of nuns in Calcutta who nurse and care for abandoned infants. Both are examples of power, one used poorly and one used well. So today on this day, we celebrate Pentecost and the power of the Holy Spirit in the church. We'll focus on the positive. So the precursor to our passage today, like I mentioned, is familiar to us. A group of disciples, they're meeting in Jerusalem to wait for the power of the Spirit of God. And it arrives. In the wind, with flames in their heads, something amazing happens. That power, that Spirit, inspires people of different nations and languages to start to understand each other. And as some say, it's the birthday of the church when the power of the Spirit joined the party. This arrival of the Spirit is what comes before our passage that we read today. Today's scripture, however, is Peter's sermon that follows the arrival of the Spirit. His first sermon, some people in the crowd in Jerusalem see the power of these disciples and their ability to speak languages and say, whew, they're drunk. Peter's defense obviously is, no, that's not what's happening here. This is not the power of alcohol. It's the power of the Spirit. Peter's sermon is longer than what we read today, but this first part we read gives what I think is the key power that the Spirit offers us that we're going to focus on today, this positive aspect of the Spirit's power, and that, my friends, is a little something we call prophecy. Now, there are other powerful gifts of the Spirit, of course. The youth group spent the spring studying them, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But in this passage, Peter focuses on the power of prophecy. You might have some particular reactions to the word prophecy, especially those of you who've been tracking the rise and fall of a particular house church in Ormwood Park neighborhood this week, just saying, but prophecy doesn't have the best reputation. It's often associated with doomsday predictions, like that Nickel Creek song. I love it. It's hilarious. It's called the 21st of May, and it's about the repeated predictions of the end of the world. Or perhaps prophecy for you is associated with telling the future like a fortune teller writ large. It's the foretelling of what will happen in front of us, not beside us or behind us necessarily. It's hard to hear the word prophecy and not have these associations kind of clutter up our reading of this passage. But the actual meaning of to prophesy, at least where the Hebrew people and the Jewish culture were concerned at the time, was to simply speak the truth to the people. To state a prophecy is to state the truth about something. So written another way, one of our verses for today might read, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters, they shall tell the truth. But you know where else that word, that scripture is announced? In the prophet of Joel, that's who Peter is quoting right now, from some 300 to 800 years before him. When people are telling the truth, that's when you know, whether you're in the Old Testament or the New Testament, that the presence and power of God is at work. That's the positive power of the Spirit. That's what Peter announces in his sermon. The Spirit will enable us, the church, to tell the truth. It's his focus statement, his thesis, if you will. Now, the qualification for prophecy is that it is probably a hard truth. (laughs) That's kind of the downfall sometimes. This is why the Old Testament prophets were not the most popular people to their contemporaries. Oh, we love them now, condemning the rich, calling for liberation, speaking against conquest, calling for ethical leadership. They're speaking the truth to power, but that's just it. Their job, their calling from God, is to speak the truth, whether it's joyful or hard. That's what a prophet does. They challenge us with the truth. So we return to Peter's first sermon after the Spirit has arrived to be amidst the disciples of Jesus. In these early days of the church, Peter tells us that God pours out the Spirit on daughters and sons to do what? To tell the truth. And then on the slaves and the lowest of the people in the social rung the spirit came to what give them the power to tell the truth does it matter if they're a man or a woman as almost all things did then no all who experience the power of the spirit are called to prophesy they are called to tell the truth even if it's hard so we celebrate this day from acts chapter 2 every year it's seven weeks after easter 50 days after Easter, hence the Penta and Pentecost, we celebrate that despite the powers in this world that take and destroy and damage and destruct, there are powers that call people to speak the truth. Maybe it's the truth Peter mentions about God's love for humans, or the truth about how death doesn't hold the power we think it does. Or maybe it's the truth that we can connect with others, even across vast differences of experience, even language. Acts chapter 2 gives us a lot of options. The power of the Spirit equips us to face, wrestle with, and then proclaim the most transformative truths that have the potential to change our world. But I can think of the legacy of speaking truth even beyond Acts 2. I would love for us to consider this litany of truth-tellers. Jesus, who told the truth about our belovedness in Jesus, obviously, as we celebrate the church's birthday. That's a big one. But what about Nelson Mandela, who told the truth that it always seems impossible until it is done? Or Simone Veil who reminds us that attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. Or Martin Luther King Jr., who speaks the truth, the time is always right to do what is right Or I I actually got a little lost in Dietrich Bonhoeffer (laughs) this week, which doesn't happen to me usually, but these powerful utterings of the spirit through this German Nazi resistance pastor, we must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or omit to do and more in the light of what they suffer. Or we are not to simply bandage the wounds of victims beneath the wheels of injustice. We are to drive a spoke into the wheel itself. Or as we start Pride Month, consider that wise woman, Audrey Lorde, who implored us that my silences had not protected me, and your silence will not protect you. Or George Take, who should indeed, or we should indeed be, keep calm in the face of difference and live our lives in a state of inclusion and wonder at the diversity of humanity. Or as Howard Dean reminds us of that diversity, that it's God-given, From a religious point of view, he says, if God had thought homosexuality a sin, he would not have created gay people. On that day, when the Spirit descended on Jesus' disciples in Jerusalem, it wasn't simply to comfort them. It was to offer them a power that will equip them to continue to do the important work of Christ, to prophesy, to tell the truth. This power continues today. It is both a gift given by the Spirit of God, and it is also a calling we have that we must step into. There are many who wield power for evil. Just think of Uvalde, Southern Baptist Convention recently, oil lobbyists who refuse to pay attention to our heat waves. We know this. But I think what we forget is that to be a part of the church, the one the Spirit visited 2,000 years ago, we are called to actively wield our power for good. Where do you or could you have that power? What situation or relationship beckons for a dose of truth? How could your voice speak truth to those powers that fight against it? This, my friends, on the birthday of the church is the work of the church. This is the work of the Spirit of God and the Spirit that dwells in God's people, amen.